listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Hi there, and welcome to the new Podzine series from theoutdoorstation.co.uk. And what makes it new? Well, we're hoping that it's going to be a weekly series of programs full of useful information, magazine style, for outdoors lovers everywhere. Uh, and what sort of thing do we have on? Good question. Glad you asked. Uh, well, for example, in this show, we're uh, interviewing the head of design from Innovate about the uh, new Rocklight 390 GTXs. And uh, Chris Watts from First Ascent joins us to talk about the new MSR reactor stove, which is creating a lot of interest, uh, especially with uh, high winter mountaineers, uh, mountaineer climbers and so on. Um, now, the series of uh, programmes is obviously going to contain uh, a wealth of information, hopefully for uh, outdoors lovers everywhere, as well as um, uh, people who uh, might be in the retail world. Now, uh, the retail world, um, there is no reason why they, they can't play these podcasts in the shop. After all, there's only so many buff videos that you can listen to. Uh, these programmes are independent, uh, so there's no bias to any particular manufacturer or to, uh, to retail, of course. And we hope that the information that it contains will be inspirational, uh, interesting and useful background of bump for people who come wandering through. So we're asking our audience, uh, our current audience, to perhaps go out and uh, mention it to, uh, to retailers and shops uh, that this information is available. And not only the, pod, the uh, podzines, of course, but also other programmes that we have on the site which are sponsored by different manufacturers and that's how we cover our costs. So it's completely free for people to use. Uh, completely free for them to uh, play in the shops and so on. Uh, there is no cost involved, and uh, the only way that uh, we do ask for some sort of contribution is in the sponsored programmes. Now, the other thing that uh, retailers do worry about, which is quite understandable, is when you play uh, audio material in your premises, uh, PRS usually come on, knock on the door, saying you owe us money for a licence. Well, not in this case. I've been in contact with PRS, and a podcast doesn't fall under the same category, providing it doesn't contain material which is comes under their umbrella, that's material by a PRS member. So all music, uh, sound effects, uh, interviews and whatever else in the background here that you might hear on these programmes um, have got absolutely nothing to do with them because none of them are produced by their members. So the material here can be played completely uh, openly without any problem at all uh, and no licence fees are applicable. So the days of the buff video uh, might be... Uh, might be numbered in some respects. So uh, what have we got? Well, as I said, we've got plenty to uh, to discuss. Um, the uh, the interviews we've got coming up, uh, we've got a whole range of interviews, actually, that I've got from a recent uh, a recent show that I went to. Uh, plus, of course, we're going to be speaking to people who are actually out doing things themselves. So let's uh, get into our first interview, um, which is uh, with Graham Jordison. Uh, he's the head of design at uh, Innovate, and we're I asked him to explain all the key features of the new Rocklight 390 GTX. Okay, this is the uh, Rocklight 390 GTX, and what it is, it's the lightest Gore-Tex uh, boot in the world, we believe. Um, it features uh, our Rocklight outsole, which uh, we name every product after the outsole, and the differentiating factor is the, is the, uh, the weight, 390 grams for an average size 8. Well, I'm very excited to, to get to speak to you here because um, 
this boot has obviously been recently introduced. It's had a lot of uh, very, very good press by people. But uh, I didn't realise you initially sort of introduced it for the paragliding market. Yeah, that's right. We uh, worked with uh, um, one of the UK's top paragliders and um, he tested it uh, quite extensively. And uh, the feedback we got back from that was, uh, was really positive. But it, but it also lends itself really well to, to trail walking and, uh, and mountain running. So that's where we've gone with the product. So, um, as you say, it's based on the, the, the rock light foot. Yes. Uh, and it's Gore-Tex lined as well. It is. It's got a full XCR... Gore-Tex lining, so um, that makes it uh, fully waterproof and breathable. Um, gives you a good, uh, good climate control. So um, when the temperature gets a bit hot, then it keeps the foot fairly, fairly comfortable in, in certain extremes. We were just discussing ankle support, and you said it's it's more of a mental thing than possibly a physical thing. And and that's certainly the people who are crossing over or starting to consider a lighter um, range of equipment, including their footwear, will probably look at this very very closely. But the the, the question I think would probably cross their minds: the fact that this looks like it could give a bit more ankle support or give them the feeling of ankle support compared to using what what appears to be a standard um, trainer-based uh, lower ankle cut. Yeah, that's right. I mean, our philosophy is not to inhibit the natural function of the foot. So especially when you're running in an off-road terrain, um, it's less of an issue to have to have support because we believe that the foot should be allowed to work as nature intended. Um, the terrain is always changing, so to be able to position your foot um, against a rock, you know, using the metatarsals in the correct position is very important. That's That's... That's one of the things we've done with the boot, was we haven't created too much support in the upper. All, all we've done is given it a bit, more, um, a bit more height to give you a bit more protection in there. So a lot of the support is actually perceived rather than actually given. So, so the people that are using traditional walking boots then, this, uh, this actually is a good halfway house uh, between what they would perceive to be trail shoes. That's right, yeah. What you'll find now is a lot of people are making the transition from a heavyweight walking boot into a lighter weight trail shoe. So what we've done with this product is just given the, uh, the consumer that doesn't really want to make that radical step um, into, into a really lightweight boot that's going to give them all the function and the features that we give in our trail shoes, but give them the perception and the added uh, support and protection and durability. Um, talking about uh, protection and, and durability, I see the, the, the toe section has got the same sort of tough mesh uh, cover. Uh, obviously, that's uh, proved itself to be extremely durable for outdoor activities. It has, yeah. What we're doing is we use a dual layer mesh, so the outer layer is actually a really fine nylon mesh, and that's uh, proved itself to be extremely durable for trail running. So it just seemed a natural progression to go into... Uh, to hill walking, mountain walking, where, where you're going to need that added protection from the rocks and the terrain around you. The, the boots that you've got here, and obviously the trail shoes, um, I've uh, an owner of a, of a couple of pairs of uh, the different ones you've got. Um, I find that certain uh, boots, shoes, fit certain types of feet really comfortably. What sort of foot has this been designed for? A broad foot, a narrow foot, that sort of thing? Um, well, we've used our uh, accommodating fit last, or what we would call accommodating fit last, because we essentially use two lasts, one of which is a precise fitting last for people who are going to use product in really harsh conditions where they're doing a lot of ascending, descending and contouring. But for the boot, um, because you're not going to be doing that at such a, a fast pace, 
uh, we've decided to use the more accommodating fit but the last is shaped around what we would call an average runner's foot so the heel area is slightly narrower than um, the many other brands lasts but in the toe area we uh, we like to provide a lot of room so that the toes are free to move around just in front of the metatarsal heads and just in front of um, the webbing structure where we provide all the support for our footwear. So if somebody took off a, a Rocklight um, uh, trail shoe and put this on, it would fit comfortably? Yeah, they would find the fit uh, very similar. The only difference they would really feel is, uh, is around the ankle area where we're giving you that extra protection. And is it all synthetic manufacture? Um, it is, um, apart from the upper on the vamp area where we have used leather in this product, all our other products are uh, fully synthetic. And I believe the, the design also comes with a, a non-Gore-Tex version as well. Yeah, that's right. We've got the Rocklight 370, which is uh, 20 grams lighter. Um, so we believe that to be the lightest boot in the world. Now, the, it's a unisex fit, I understand. So just tell me the range of sizes that you actually cover. Um, in most of the models, we uh, go from a size 3.5 to a, a 14 or a 15, but not in every model because, obviously, the, the justification for, for going to those sizes uh, isn't always there. And the, the range of sizes, on particularly on these boots, because I know a lot of people will be interested in these. Yeah, well, these go from a 3 to a 12, including half sizes, and we also do a size 13 and a 14. Okay, and, of course, the, the retail price is the next question. Uh, the retail price on the Gore-Tex model is £100, and the 370, which we're launching for spring-summer 08, will be £80. One thing that has occurred to me is, obviously, everybody's different, and everybody has a different heel width. Um, how, do you, how do the boots accommodate that? Well, in all of our range, we actually have a thermosetting polymer heel counter. Now, that, might, that means if uh, somebody does have a... Uh, have an issue whereby the fit isn't 100% then they can easily rectify that. All they would need to do is uh, put the heel of the shoe over the spout of a kettle for 30 to 60 seconds, taking care not to burn themselves of course, um, and then as, uh, as soon as the, uh, the heat allows put the shoe on, go for a short walk or run and on cooling the, uh, the heel counter will then provide a, a customised fit. Well, I never knew that. So you actually just in, invert the shoe and let the steam go inside the shoe there? That's right, yeah. That was all you need to do. And uh, everybody who we've uh, recommended this to, is, uh, it's worked 100%. So. Oh, well, that's worth knowing. There's a, there's a top tip from the designer of Innovate Shoes. How about that? The, the range is getting very, very extensive now, I notice, and you've got quite a lot of products there. Do you, can you just give us a, an idea of a, sort of an overview of the range itself? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're very well covered in the uh, off-road running range now and um, it, it can be quite difficult to, uh, to differentiate the products uh, but there are subtle differences that are going to suit uh, each individual runner or end user. Uh, the, probably the best way to do that is to uh, go onto our website, innovate.com and uh, click on each individual product and they can also click on which type of terrain they're going to be using, which type of activity they're going to be using and that will then select automatically the most appropriate product and filter out which products are less suitable for that activity or terrain. Oh, that sounds like a really useful thing then. So basically the, it's uh, inov8.com, yeah? Hyphen 8.com. Hyphen 8.com, and there's a, a selector system in there to, to enable you to choose the right shoe for the right activity. That's right, yes. 
Excellent. Well, it's been a, a, a real joy to speak to you and uh, speak to the man behind the designs who's been putting all these things together. It's been fascinating to see, and I'm really pleased to see the, these boots in the flesh. Um, when are the boots uh, hitting the high street? The uh, Gore-Tex boots are currently in the market. The, uh, the Rocklight 370 will be available uh, spring next year. The Potsy. And now it's time to do a magazine review, I think. And we've randomly picked two magazines off the shelf and put them head-to-head to see what value you get for the November issue of Trail Magazine and the November issue of TGO. Uh, both well-respected magazines, both with a different type of audience and both catering for slightly different needs, but both actually, this this issue, um, I have to say, both a very good read. Uh, looking into the TGO magazine, first of all, that's 114 pages worth. Um, we've got uh, a good range of uh, inspirational um, uh, articles from um, Chris Townsend and uh, Cameron McNeish, of course, all about getting out uh, backpacking possibly for the first time. What sort of gear do you need? Uh, where to go? Uh, considering uh, what sort of uh, ideal camping spots? Uh, certainly north of the border, they're very, very lucky up there with the uh, obviously the wild camping laws and uh, some very beautiful pictures and uh, uh, what would make for some inspirational nights, I'm sure, uh, with uh, some of the wild camping spots in Scotland. Uh, interestingly, they, uh, their TGO are following their ultralight theme, and uh, Eddie Meachin has got a nice uh, article there about his uh, trip to enlightenment and uh, how he's got rid of his extremely heavy uh, old Van Gogh pack and gone down a, a looks like a Mariposa pack uh, from the States. Um, in fact, the entire weight of the contents of the new lightweight equipment uh, weighs the same as the empty old rucksack. But it's a good article. It's uh, If you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, that'll help you um, consider the options. Uh, what else have we got? Well, um, there's certainly uh, one or two uh, gear reviews or suggestions about gear, uh, about the LED headlamp and uh, some of the advantages and some of the products available. And uh, Chris Townsend uh, uh, courts a little bit of controversy with his thoughts on lightweight boots in winter. Uh, what exactly do you need and why you do need them? Um, Gear Test uh, also continues with John Manning, who's taken a, uh, was it a rainbow tarp tent, uh, tarp Henry Shire's tent, uh, Rain Shadow, Rain Shadow 2, uh, over to uh, the Sierra Nevada uh, this year, uh, and uh, he explains how it performed uh, in those sort of conditions, which you'd normally assume to be uh, good conditions, but like everybody else this year, uh, the weather has been rather dubious. And uh, looking at the uh, sort of comments he's made, it looks like it needs a little bit of work before it's suitable for UK conditions uh, because it didn't quite um, perform as well as expected or hoped uh, following huge deluge. Uh, but again, a good read. Uh, the wild walks, we've got uh, 11 walks, um, three in Scotland, three in the Lake Districts, Northumberland, uh, North Yorkshire Moors, Peak District and Snowdonia. Uh, again, the walks are, are, are really good uh, inspirations for a day out. You've Hopefully nobody's more than a few hours away from setting out for uh, any of the walks, be it in trail or TGO, uh, and uh, they do try to spread them around the country to inspire people to enjoy our surroundings. Photography, of course. Colin Pryor does his uh, roundup and and uh, of, of photographs and how he's taking them and some of the stories behind them. Uh, an absolute superb photographer, and of course the uh, very famous uh, award-winning Jim Perrin uh, does. Uh, a nice article or two in there as well. Um, Judy Armstrong uh, does the uh, rainy day woman some waterproof trousers essential for 
for women and Judy's uh, very well respected in the outdoors world uh, and certainly uh, looks uh, in great detail at this sort of equipment. So all in all, a uh, thundering good read in the TGO magazine November issue. Uh, and how does that compare to Trail? Well, actually, they both compare very, very well. Uh, Trail comes in at a hefty uh, 170 pages. Uh, and they too are uh, giving newbies uh, advice in how to get out and start hiking and walking and the sort of gear you need and so on. Uh, and so there's an uh, introductory article in there is how to get into walking, which is quite good. Uh, then they go into uh, various things and uh, testing certain equipment. Uh, notably, there's a uh, one-page first test of Innovate's new uh, boot, which we've just been discussing, the 390. There's 390 GTX. And then they explain how to get into bothering, what bothering's all about. Of course, people north of the border uh, are very well serviced on that, but there are a few bothies uh, in other parts of the country. I think there's a few in, in Wales there. Um, what else have we got? We've got uh, certain uh, sub-Munros. Uh, they've got uh, first tests of a f bits of equipment, which uh, are generally interesting. And um, they uh, go into the knowledge. And I quite, quite like the knowledge pages because there's a whole... Uh, range of, of um, short pieces of information uh, described in, in easy to absorb ways uh, and always makes for a good read when you just want to pick a magazine up for five minutes and have a flick so uh, so that makes for some uh, some good reading uh, they too uh, have uh, done their waterproof reviews of gear uh, and they've broken into sections uh, general purpose jackets, multi-activity jackets lightweight jackets, winter jackets and jackets for children uh, which is uh, nice to see and um, Chris, uh, not Chris, I do beg your pardon Graham Thompson gives them a good uh, a good old uh, review through and lots of features and benefits of each one and his thoughts on the products which is uh, quite interesting um, they too have got, gone over to the States to see if they can pinch any ideas uh, that would be useful for uh, for the UK um, uh, but they seem to be uh, come to the conclusion that uh, American people are very fortunate in the sense that they don't necessarily worry about uh, about uh, getting wet um, because they generally are warm when they're wet uh, whereas in this country of course hypothermia can set in and and it tends to spoil the day out somewhat. Um, but there's a feature there, and it seems to come to the conclusion that Americans um, take more with them generally because they like to have a few more comfort features and benefits. They've got some great routes, actually, across the country. Uh, Fifteen routes uh, coming out of trail there, uh, several in Scotland, but the majority uh, down in the south of England, a few down in uh, Dartmoor, uh, Shropshire, um, at the Peak District, uh, the Southern Uplands and the Lake District and so on. And there's a nice waterfall walk, which I must go on in, on the Brecon Beacons uh, because that waterfall looks fantastic and will be suitable for some great photographs. And talking of which, Trail, as always, has got lovely photographs. The photographer they employ, or photographers, um, really do know how to uh, take pictures to inspire. Lovely rich colours and uh, certainly some great views of people getting out and doing it, which is what it's all about. So I would say, yeah, to conclude, there's... Um two thunderingly good reads there, roughly the same sort of price, uh, the Trail Magazine and TGO Magazine for November uh, November 07 In the American section of the November issue of Trail Magazine, you'll see a picture of the reactor stove, the MSR reactor stove, uh, a windproof fuel-efficient stove that can boil a litre of water in uh, less than three minutes, apparently. And I spoke to Chris Watts at a recent trade show uh, from First Ascent, who are the distributors of the MSR products, and asked him exactly what the key features of this product is. 
key features are that it's an integrated cooking system rather than just a stove with a fancy pot. Um, the pot itself incorporates a, um, a heat exchanger, which is part of the same metal as the, uh, the vessel of the pot, and that then has a, an external windshield built into it. The stove um, is dedicated for use with the pot, and you can't use it with other, with other um, pan sets. And it's a unique innovation in that it has a combination of horizontal burners so that it reduces the stack height without making the stove unit um, too tall and unstable. It has a pressure regulator so that the fuel it's governed to work at about a quarter full canister of um, gas as its basic pressure, which effectively means that in sub-zero conditions it's not the, the partial pressure of the um, butane mix is not um, affected, so you get full performance and you're able to use the gas pretty much down to, to empty in the canister, um, which is important when a lot of the fuel that you're carrying you know, effectively becomes unusable. The burner is um, it's a radiant burner that uses what they call um, primary air. Explain, explain that to me. Tell yeah. me about primary and secondary okay, air. Okay, when you take any burner unit, the gas or the fuel coming through the first jet is mixed with um, oxygen from the air. It then goes up and hits what's called the burner cap and spread out to the ported, the little holes around the perimeter of the burner cap where it's mixed with secondary air. The problem with, with this system is that the secondary air is always vulnerable to wind and gusts, uh, which blows away most of the heat. With the um, reactor stove, the pan is intimately on top of the uh, burner unit, and so there is no secondary air contact. It's also um, heat transfer is radiant, so that, again, the heat itself cannot be blown away by the air. The primary air is um, taken into the burner unit through a, a ported or a, a vented plate, and it's then channeled through a series of internal vents so that it comes to the burner units without, or to the jets, without travelling in a straight line so that it is unaffected by um, movements of air. So to, to, to recap then, the combination of the pressure valve inside the cooking, the burner head, and also the fact that it's working off primary air means it's, it's, it is as efficient inside a tent vestibule as it would be stuck outside. Absolutely. Um, we've done tests where we've burnt the stove with the gas canister standing in a tray of iced water with a, a fan blowing at it full blast and it will outperform any stove that we've tested it against and it will burn at the same rate or it will boil water at the same rate in those conditions as it would in still air in, in, in a house on a kitchen table. It looks to be a very balanced stove as well. The, the actual cooker um, head, the burner head, is, is slightly uh, broader than a 250 canister, but obviously incredibly stable. And the actual pot itself, you were saying, is, is almost one piece. It is. And the idea really has been to... There's no point making any of the dimensions narrower than a 250 gas canister, since that's what most people would use. There are possible possibilities of producing them for smaller canisters in the future, but at this stage, it was designed around a 250-gram canister. So there's no point making it narrower. Uh, and the idea is that the whole unit can be packed into the, um, into the pan and carried securely without any rattling um, components. And that, you know, it makes it all, it makes sense when pack size is, is as important to uh, people who think weight is important.
Well, and also the practicalities, presumably on a, on a long trip where you'd normally use, what, uh, say, 10 canisters. Uh, how efficient would this be by comparison? Um, tests to date, we're looking about four times the efficiency. And that's four, so basically you need about a quarter of the, um, the weight of gas to be carried that you would take. Uh, in a mountaineering situation, you would probably expect to take one canister between two people per day if you were boiling water or um, melting water from snow. Um, we've done tests where you can get away with about a, a half a canister um, in those sorts of conditions and probably up to four times if you, if you weren't boiling it and we're doing all the usual sensible things. Um, and I presume, you know, that's the marketplace for this product. This is not sort of a, a backpacking, uh, a general UK backpacking product. We're talking serious mountaineers for this sort of thing. Uh, not exclusively. I mean, the mountaineering environment is, is always a, a nice sort of vector um, image. But really, um, cold weather conditions are common to backpacking as they are to mountaineering. And that's always where the performance of this type of gas um, stove is shown up. Um, any multi-day trip is where you're going to benefit from this this stove because you just don't the stove itself isn't where you're going to save the weight it's in the it's in the the dead weight of the canisters that you have to carry with you i think people tend to forget that the gas canister and it's 250 grams that's its net weight i mean you've got about 150 grams of dead metal Mm -hmm. that you're carrying with you Mm -hmm. Uh, and that adds up i mean i've been on trips where you've got to carry you know up to 10 canisters that's you know, that's three or four kilos that you really don't want on your bag. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the pan itself, um, is it of the new non-stick variety? Is it non-stick line? Uh, it's not. They, they've not attempted to make it a, um, a non-stick. It's got a, say, a nice finish to it, but it's not deliberately made to be non-stick um, because it affects the way the performance of it and how they can actually make it. You're going to be storing the gas canister and together with the, um, the, the stove head inside and really, it doesn't make sense if you're going to start scratching it. You would then have to wrap everything up in uh, some sort of a cloth. And I see it's got sort of uh, measurement markings on it as well, or it appears to be. So what actually, what actually is the capacity of the, of the pan? The actual capacity, I think, is about 1.7 litres, but you can, you can fill it right up to 1.7 litres. Um, and, it, and that uh, see-through lid is, uh, what sort of material is that? It's a Lexan polycarbonate. Uh, the idea then is, again, you save the heat that you've generated by not having to open the lid to check whether the water's boiling. Um, so it's something that uh, a lot of Arctic explorers have adopted in, in their sort of attempts to make things more efficient. Um, and final question would be, um, this is available, I believe, now? Is it run up to Christmas? It's literally arriving. It arrived last week. So we've got them in stock now. I mean, we sell out all the time because the demand is so high. We're about six months late on delivery of this stove, but you know there are a lot of elements here that have never been tried before, and so uh, we wanted to make sure that it was absolutely 100% operational. It certainly looks a, a bulletproof, uh, bulletproof unit for that sort of uh, heavy-duty use, and it'll last for many years. Um, what's the price point on it? Retail price at the moment is £110. The, for next spring, summer, it will be 120 What's the reason for that, then? It's just costs. It's cost more to produce than we uh, initially anticipated. So what's happening soon in the great outdoors? The Podzine Diary. 
Yeah, so let's have a look at the diary for those people who want to get out in the next few weeks. Here we are, the 15th of October today. Uh, so I thought I'd scan ahead about uh, three, four weeks with uh, some of the information I've got in front of me uh, to introduce to people uh, some things perhaps near you. Uh, now, I know this uh, coming weekend, so that's the uh, 20th, 21st of October, there's a uh, meet from the Bushcraft uh, people, which can be details can be found on bushcraftuk.com. Uh, and that's a meet in the Coventry area. Uh, full details are on the forum website there, and people interested in uh, mixing with like-minded bushcraft people um, can, I'm sure, be welcome to come along. But get the, get the details from the website. Um, the Backpackers Club are once again fairly active, and in fact they're, they're quite active these, uh, these next few weeks. They've got a few events on. Uh, on the weekend, the 19th to 21st, they're going to the Seven Valley. Uh, and again, information on that uh, meet and a few others which are happening later on in the uh, next few weeks on backpackersclub.co.uk. Up in Scotland, the Edinburgh Mountain Festival uh, takes place on the same weekend, the 19th to 21st, uh, at the George Square Lecture Theatre. And there's going to be 20-odd films there with various speakers, including Stephen Venables, uh, Barry Blanchard, Ian Parnell and Cameron McNeish, to name but a few, plus, of course, Karen Dunn. Uh, the e website for that one is edinburghmountainff.com. Uh, so that's one word, edinburghmountainff.com. Uh, the same weekend, on the 20th, uh, Cameron does indeed seem to be a bit busy. He's uh, going down to Cumbria, uh, and he's doing a talk uh, on Alfred Wainwright and his special centenary year. And the information uh, that is available at wainwright.org.uk. That's wainwright.org.uk. Um, or the telephone number for the National Mountaineering Museum is 01768 860090. The 24th, uh, in North Yorkshire, uh, the Yorkshire Dales Park Authority is going for a walk uh, from the Malham National Park at 11.30am. Uh, details can be found on the website yorkshiredales.org.uk, telephone number 01969 652380. The Backpackers Club, once again, are busy uh, on the 26th, 28th, uh, this time in the Yorkshire Dales, uh, and they're going to explore the quieter side of the Dales and perhaps visit uh, Masham's uh, famous, famous brewery up there. Uh, so uh, I think that's going to be quite popular. And again, details can be found at the Backpackers, sorry, website is backpackersclub.co.uk. Uh, now, the uh, various forums are organising uh, a few things, so it's been worthwhile mentioning those um, on outdoorsmagic.com there seems to be a very popular meeting uh, with over 200 uh, 200 posts so far on the forum uh, for the southern highlands that's the bridge of orkey area uh, again there's lots of information available on the website on that particular thread so uh, do have a look at that it looks like it's going to be a very popular meet so that's outdoorsmagic.com on the 16th uh, to the 18th or 19th of November, uh, Trail are getting together with their uh, their group of uh, friends from uh, on the forum. And this is the third Trail meet, and they're meeting at Langdale. Uh, again, details are on uh, the Trail forum, uh, which is a bit confusing. The address is forum.countrywalking.co.uk. Uh, and full details can be found on that, but it looks like there's a good 20 or so people going to, to that meet. Uh, 
And finally, uh, we have in Mid Wales a, a long-distance walking event uh, called the Real Ale Ramble. Uh, they've got uh, three uh, organised walks there, 10 miles, 15 miles and 25 miles um, in Mid Wales. They start at 9am on the 24th of November and it goes on for the whole weekend. There is an entry fee for one day of £10 and £16 for both days, which I guess includes uh, entrance into the beer festival. So if you enjoy your outdoors life and you enjoy some real ale, that's the place to go. And the information can be found on green-events.co.uk. So there's plenty going on in the next few weeks. The Podzine Diary. If you've got any news or events you'd like us to cover on the Podzine, then contact us at The Outdoor Station. The address is info at theoutdoorsstation.co.uk. Bringing you more about the outdoors world. Call our voicemail service now. 020 Well, that brings us pretty well now to the end of our new style Podzine show, a weekly show if we can manage it, um, an audio magazine for outdoors people everywhere, no matter your interest, be it climbing, walking, hiking, cycling, kayaking, or whatever. And to celebrate, we've got a little competition uh, sponsored by Golight. Um, well, do mention the Podzine, if you would, to your friends, your local shops, your clubs, uh, in fact, anyone interested in, in the outdoors, if you would. Uh, the more listeners that we can get, the merrier it will be. Uh, anything, of course, coming up in your, in your diaries, outdoor diaries, if you're organising something, your club's organising something, you'd like a little bit of exposure, then do drop us a line at The Outdoor Station. All the information is on the website, theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Or if you wanted to record a little piece, leave a message on our answer service, uh, telephone number again on the website, and we will play that um, promoting your particular event. So what is our competition? Well, our competition is sponsored by those very nice people at Go Light, Go Light in the USA, and they've given us 12 high wicking, stiff peaked mesh caps weighing in at 70 grams each, super lightweight stuff, but of a very, very stiff peak. So make it make them useful for all sorts of outdoor activities. Uh, these normally retail at £10 each, and I've got six in the small, medium size, and six in the large, extra large size. And the question is simply this Who is Lou? L U. Who is Lou? To find the answer, you're going to have to visit the golight.com website and have a hunt round there, and the information can be found somewhere there. So that's it, really. The first 12 people emailing us with the right answers, uh, giving us, of course, their name and address and their head size. Uh, email us at golight-competition-theoutdoorstation.co.uk. That's golight, G-O-L-I-T-E, hyphen competition at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. And you'll be entered into the hat. It'll be first come, first served on these, so uh, do get in in a hurry. All you have to do is go to the website to just pass it on to everybody else. And that is pretty well it for the show. Um, I'm going to start working on the next one. See you next time. Bye now. This independent programme has been brought to you by The Outdoors Station, the exciting new way to see and hear free information about the outdoors world. If you're a blogger or if you have a website, you can now incorporate any of these podcasts directly to your site, completely free. Visit our website, theoutdoorsstation.co.uk, for more information.